Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author, and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together, and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, we often get a great deal of advice about how to raise our children, but don't always hear the best ways we can take care of ourselves and stay sane while raising our children. Who can you turn to when things aren't going smoothly? How can you talk about it when you are really struggling? How do you cope with anger or exhaustion or frustration and avoid becoming the one who does everything, even when you have nothing left? Today, we are going to speak to my friend and colleague, Kate Rope, for the answers to these questions. Kate Rope is an award-winning freelance journalist and author of Strong as a Mother, How to Be Happy, Healthy, and Most Importantly, Sane from Pregnancy to Parenthood, the only guide to, to taking care of you. She writes about mental health and parenting for the New York Times, the Washington Post, Time, and many other publications. She's currently co-creating an an audio documentary about medical research during the Vietnam War with Alan Alda. It will be released by Audible in fall of 2020. You can find her work at katerope.com. So welcome, Kate, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Hi, so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to have you. I'm really excited to talk about your book, which I read cover to cover. But before we get into the meat of the matter, for those who haven't had the opportunity to meet you, read your book or your articles, can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and what sent you on the path to writing about how to stay healthy, happy, and most importantly, sane from pregnancy to parenthood? Sure. So what gets me up in the morning is the coffee that my husband makes for mm-hmm. me. Must be good so coffee. That, yes. yes. And just the fact that it he actually delivers it to my bedside. That's which is beautiful. A lovely, a lovely thing. That's love keep, language, right? Keep there. a marriage yes. happy. It's beautiful. <laughs> yes, that is that is coffee is part of my love language mm-hmm. and his too. Mm-hmm. Um and I got started writing on this book. Um so I've always been a journalist um and I've always been interested in health and medicine once upon a time considered going to med school, but decided that um, I get I, I get too interested in too many things to focus on any one thing for too long. So mm-hmm. journalists seemed like a better option. Um, and uh, I also really knew I wanted to be a mom, always knew I wanted to be a mom. I was kind of the weirdo in college. We would have conversations and all my friends would be talking about, you know, the big career they wanted to have. And I'd be talking about wanting to have kids kids, even though I did want to have a career. Mm-hmm. And they'd all say, well, that, not yet. And I'm like, well, no, not yet. But it, I think about it a lot. Mm. Um, and then when I had a kid, the whole thing kind of slapped me silly. I, it, I, it just wasn't 
at all what I expected it to be. It was just so much harder in so many ways I couldn't have anticipated. Um, and one of them was that I developed postpartum anxiety, which not everybody knows about. We all hear about postpartum depression, you know, feeling depressed, mm-hmm. sad, the lady on the hospital brochure when you go home from the hospital who just is staring out the window and mysteriously like doesn't have a baby to take Mm -hmm. care of in that moment, but is really sad Mm. and is put together. It's a very odd picture. Mm -hmm. Does not not mesh with anything that actually really happens when you have a baby. But anxiety (laughs) is actually much more common, and um, but uh, it's not talked about as much. So I didn't know um, Mm -hmm. that I had postpartum anxiety until really about nine months in when I was pretty dysfunctional. And at that point, I found a reproductive psychiatrist, I got on some medication, and the whole experience changed for me. And it was like a religious conversion. Um, And from there on out, I just decided that I wanted to talk about the challenging parts of motherhood, as well as, you know, well, or maybe not even the blissful parts, because everybody else has that covered. You know, we have this narrative of motherhood that's so beautiful and blissful and magical Mm -hmm. and um i wanted to talk about the fact that you know it's a life-changing experience and and it would be crazy to think any life-changing experience wouldn't also be incredibly hard Mm. so i wanted to talk about that and i wanted to support women through that whatever that looked like for them if they were like me and they ended up needing medication and psychotherapy to get through it or if they just needed to figure out how to like not hate their husband in the first year after having a baby. Whatever the struggle was, I wanted to be there to support women finding a way through it. Right. That, that's where it came from. And and a lot of your your strategies and what you talk about in the book actually apply to any parent. I mean, really, I'm, if we're talking about self-care and and equitable equitable division of of the labor in the house and I mean it involves this other person very much whether it's uh, if you're a mom or or a dad and I you're right about these challenges I literally just got off with a, a friend of mine who was talking about her challenges and and we were laughing about the the perfect pictures on Facebook of you know, people taking pictures of their kids like in flower fields with their hair just you know flipping just so and and how they're saying things like oh you know I'm so blessed with this beautiful time and uh, being with my children and and meanwhile like you're you're like hiding in a closet like pulling your hair out so uh, I, I think that taking that stuff and pulling it out of the shadows is so important. There's so many supposed to's in parenting. And this starts while our children are in utero for those who are carrying a child and into young childhood. We hear, you know, shoulds and about tummy time and feeding the rainbow and sleeping when they sleep, as well as many don'ts like things that you need to avoid, nixing the screens and minimizing stress and not multitasking when you're talking with your children so that they have your full attention. The do's and don'ts are always there. And they can sometimes lead to parents putting themselves on the back burner. One parent told me recently that she hasn't had the time to get away from her kids since they were born. Um, They're teenagers now. So how can parents begin to prioritize themselves when they often put themselves lowest on the totem pole? Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm not going to say it's as easy as like, go get a mani-pedi or, you know, have a margarita with your best friend. Um, because I think a lot of times the way we, um, 
express these things to parents are, are, are not really helpful. They're not self-care. They might be a fun outing, but they're not actually self-care. Mm, mm. Um, and I also think that, you know, there's a larger conversation around the kind of support that that our society really should be providing mothers so that sometimes people kind of, and fathers, parents, mm-hmm. so that sometimes people get a little bristly at the idea of, you know, here's how, you know, mom should take care of themselves. Well, no, you know, the government should be providing better childcare and all these supports, you know, moms are already so stressed. Why are we putting one more thing on them? Mm-hmm. So with an understanding that that is kind of the cultural situation we're in, um, and I'm not belittling that, but until we have more supports, um, I do think that it is one of the few things that you do actually have control over as the parent um, is is taking care of yourself. And that totally changes as your kids grow. You know, in the beginning, it might feel very small um, and it might be much larger, you know, when they're in their teens. But I think, you know, if if you start your journey to parenthood with, with a pregnancy, um, during pregnancy practicing, like, like for me, self-care is figuring out what makes you feel good, what makes you feel centered, what makes you feel calm, and then making that an everyday part of your life, um, or an every weekly part of your life, you know, whether that's exercise, whether it's singing in a choir, uh, meditation, bike rides for my husband, it's journaling, um, in a coffee shop by himself, you know, maybe you know what those things are right away, or maybe you need to kind of experiment with them. Um, and for that, I recommend thinking back to like high school or college or times when you had a lot of time to explore some, you know, extracurriculars and find something that really made you feel good and kind of took you away from the present moment or from stresses when you did it. So experimenting with what those things are. And then if we are starting in pregnancy, trying to build them into your life so that they're harder to set aside once mm. once the baby enters it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're starting while you have a small baby, you've adopted or mm-hmm. you haven't thought about it till then, um, then again, just trying to figure out the little ways you can work it in. And for my um, the example I always give is my husband and I came up with this plan where he would we lived in a tiny New York apartment when we had our first daughter, and he would do our laundry once a week, which was copious um, mm-hmm. and hours long project. And he would go to the laundromat, and then he would go to the to the little muffin shop across the street and write in his journal. So he's getting the laundry done, but he's getting some time to himself, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that I was as good in the beginning of um, doing that as he was. I think it's taken me years to figure out what kind of fills my bucket as, as um, pre-k teachers would say but um, starting to think about self-care not as a particular act but as a way of relating to yourself and prioritizing yourself um, you know because it could be different in different circumstances if you're fighting with a teenager self-care could look like saying to your teen like I'm really riled up and I'm gonna go take a half an hour to read in my room so I can come back to this conversation mm-hmm. more calmly you know, or, um, you know, it could be once my kids were old enough for me, it was, you know, daily exercise is really my, my sanity saver, mm-hmm. uh, and meditation, but that had to wait until I could go once a week to, a, to my meditation class and learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so I think it really, it really depends on where you are in the parenting journey, but just starting to think about like, what makes you feel good? Mm-hmm. What makes you feel calm? Um, or 
what doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, self-care could also be, I mean, it's taking me till my kids were nine and no, how old are my kids? <laughs> Eight and 12 <laughs> to figure out that I really get triggered by loud noise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned this from another wonderful parenting expert, Carla Nomberg, who I highly recommend having mm. on your show if okay. you haven't already. Noted. She has, book, she has a great book called How to Stop Losing Your S H blank T with Your Kids. It yes. has a little asterisk where the I should be. Um, and in it, she talks about, rec- you know, it's about how to not yell at your kids, essentially. And she talks about recognizing your triggers. And mm-hmm. I'm going off on a tangent, but I'll wrap it up quickly. Um, and, and she talks about noise for her. And I always felt guilty that as a mom, I hate noise. Mm-hmm. Like, I I always felt like you talk to moms and they're like, oh, I love the noise of all the neighborhood kids running into my house and <laughs> happily, you know, it just, it feels like life. I love mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, I'm a terrible mother. Like, mm-hmm. that drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't mind having tons of kids in my house. I don't mind them grabbing stuff out of my fridge. I love that. But just do it quietly. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And to finally realize that like in order for me to be a good parent and a happier person, I got to have more quiet. So mm-hmm. I put on jazz or, you know, um, bossa nova music. And I talk to my kids like this is too loud for inside. Please take it outside. So could be figuring out what triggers you, but just recognizing that your needs are as important as your children's needs mm-hmm. and that you will better meet their needs when you can meet yours. So that's really the point of view I'm coming from mm-hmm. in whenever yeah. I'm right for parents. Not adding to the to-do list, trying to think about how can we make it work with the to-do list or feel good within the context of the to-do list, but not another should. Yeah, I, I love the idea of, of understanding that your prior you have to prioritize yourself and that you know by taking care of yourself you're actually doing something good for your family Uh, I I agree with that and those triggers are definitely something that I'm I'm thinking about I also get very triggered by noise and I tell my children we have to have an inside voice here and what you're doing right now is really outside outside voices outside play could you please take it outside and I think it, it probably makes some sense to set that up better. And instead of in the moment saying that, in a calm moment, you know, whether it's at dinner time or, or another time, to be able to sit down with your kids and say, you know, I'm really trying to figure out what triggers me and makes me feel frustrated because I don't like it, getting frustrated. I don't like that feeling. I don't like yelling at you or whatever the reaction is. And what I'm realizing is these are some things that trigger me. And so I'd like to focus on that. And if you could help me by taking that kind of thing outside, that would really be great. So we can bring our kids in to helping us with that. We don't have to do it alone. Isn't that right? Yeah, 100%. And in fact, um, I'm a big fan of family meetings. Um, we don't have them regularly, but we have them sort of whenever we need them. And we had a big one at the start of lockdown for COVID where I said, um, you know, we all need to be able to say when things are too much and that we need a break. Um, and we came up with the term reset. Mm. So whenever like things are spiraling and an argument's brewing or, you know, the kids are yelling and, you know, we, we just say reset. And, you know, for some people, it's just a reminder to calm down for like my eight year old and me, we need a little more space to calm down mm-hmm. and a little time. Um, but I'm all for sort of presenting problems to kids and having them be part of the solution. Because then when you're in that moment, you know, they'll say to me, oh, mom, why don't you go take some deep breaths, you mm-hmm. know, or 
and it makes them feel like they have ownership a little bit and like they they know how to help me Mm -hmm. um and and the other great thing about modeling this for your kids or the other great thing about doing it is that you're modeling it for your kids and i think about this particularly for girls and women you know where there is unfortunately still this really high expectation of what mothers are supposed to do and i want my kids to know that I want, I'm raising two girls and I want them to know that taking care of themselves is really important. And Mm -hmm. so I do it not, you know, that this this is mom's time to take care of herself or mom has to do this exercise every day or she gets grumpy and, and they'll, if they start to see me getting kind of grumpy or uncentered, they'll suggest it, you Mm -hmm. know, they'll be like, mom, have you meditated today? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to go take some time in your room or, you know, um, that's beautiful. I yeah, mean, it's, I it's great yeah. to have the kids be able to be part of that solution. And I, I saw throughout your book, you know, you were recommending knowing who your people are. I mean, one of the ways that we can ease our struggle is by creating a strong group of friends who, you know, quote unquote, get it. And they're... They're, they're, they're far from perfect. They, they listen, they support. So you have your children who are on your team and your spouse is bringing you coffee in the morning. That's beautiful. And, you know, yes, you have these moments of, of bliss, of course, because we love our children. But our friends can give us some perspective and support when things feel like they're crashing down and, and help you to realize that it's not just yourself, which is the kind of conversation I was just having with a friend of mine who was struggling just before this call. So how can we create this group for ourselves as it often feels impossible to find your people when you are struggling, you feel like you're on your own. So what are some of the ways that we can create that that group, that couple of people that help us to feel supported and like we're not crazy or it's just us? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think paying attention to your interactions with the people that are in your life, um, just to realize sort of who do you interact with and come away feeling a little stronger, a little lighter. Um, Who do you interact with and come away feeling kind of guilty or, oh, I should be doing this, you know, just kind of um, taking this moment as you transition into parenthood or even if you're already deep in it to to think about who you already have in your life that you want more of Mm -hmm. (laughs) and who maybe just at this moment in time is not the support you need. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, cultivating those friendships. That's, that's one way to do it. Um, I I think one online moms groups, they can be terrible (laughs) because they can make you feel sort of like, Oh, I should be, you know, making organic um, kombucha for yes. my, you know, my fetus. Um, <laughs> but uh, they can also be a place where you can anonymously share sort of. <laughs> share. Kombucha for my fetus. I don't know if we're going to put that on a meme, but that is hilarious. That's my, next business, my big business idea that comes out of that. Nobody steal it. Um, yeah. No, like... Um, I'm in the group One Bad Mother. You know, there's the podcast mm-hmm. One Bad Mother, and mm-hmm. I love their online group because I find it very supportive and kind of irreverent. Um, it's yes. good for me. You know, wouldn't yes. be good for every mom. I, I um, have I have one that I'm part of of these business women that are also moms, and 
<laughs> and it is just all the truth. And that's what you want. Like just people who are like, yeah, this is not a great day for me. And here's why. And you can give support and you can laugh and you can relate and and just pull people up. It's none of the, you know, organic kombucha crowd, um, you know, where they're saying you should be doing this. And if you're not, you're terrible. I mean, my daughter loves kombucha, nothing against kombucha. Um, but you know, it's, (laughs) but you know, it's, it is important to have those people you can be real with because it's not, it's not just hearing about what other people are doing and sort of feeling ashamed you're not doing it, but also that when you're around people who you feel like you can't be honest with, that you try to put on, you know, the perfect happy face and say everything is perfect and my kids are amazing and and there's nothing that's tearing me apart because it doesn't change the inside of you. The inside of you is still, if you're in that moment and in a time of challenge, that needs to needs to be released and needs to be heard. And if you're constantly around people where you have to pretend you're you're not giving yourself what you need, right? Right. And I think you can experiment a little bit with this um, where you sort of share a little bit of your struggle and, and see how people pick up on it. You know, if you're at the playground or you're in a new preschool and you're and you're trying to to make those those new friends, um, you know, you can kind of drop a hint here or there that's sort of true to who you are and, and see how people, you know, do they pick it up and run with it or do they just go, oh, huh, I never thought of that. And mm-hmm. then that and then dead silence, you know, you might. I have said some things over the years um, that have really shut a conversation down. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like, you know, two weeks into having a baby and someone said, you know, how's it going? And I was like, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, because, oh, you know, that was, that's, not, that's not the script. Oh, um, it's a very so, precious. This is the most perfect time. I just want it to yeah. last forever is the script. So, but for, yeah. yeah, but for me, I, you know, I put out a little flag about who I am and I see who who raises the flag higher and who just like walks by, you know? Right. So I think, uh, and the other thing to, that I do talk about in my book too is, you know, because you do get so much advice as a parent um, during pregnancy, during your whole parenting experience, is that to, to know that the people usually mean well, you of know, course. um, mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them. Mm-hmm. They still may not be your people, but they may be struggling and like really, you know, they're having their own relationship to becoming a parent. And maybe they've decided that like, you know, this one way of doing things is like really working for them and really what they're going to hang their hat on. Sure. And, and they want you to know, to know that, you know, right. and that usually comes from a place of them going through the same process you're going through. It's just coming out a different way. So I I think, you know, we all go through sort of zealous periods as we learn this stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But if there were one way to parent, you know, we'd all know it by now. Right, exactly. You know, after talking about the friend space and and knowing that we can find our people. And, and the more that you do drop these hints and realize, you know, when my friend was on the phone with me today and she was asking me questions about something else, but then we were, then she was telling me she feels guilty uh, a lot of the time while, you know, trying to find something for uh, her child for the summer because she knows that they need some space from one another. And I'm like, 
are, are you kidding? Of course you need space right now. You just told me you've been having all these challenges. Like it, this isn't something to feel guilty about. This is this is something to listen to in your heart. And I think she was relieved to hear that, yes, somebody is, is getting it. And, and it does sometimes feel like you can't admit that stuff. But after you find some of those people in your life who can validate your feelings and not, you know, tell them that they're either the best person in the world or the worst person in the world, but just giving them some solid strategies or, or hearing them out. You also want to find if you are living with a significant other, some time to be a couple. And I think this is a, is a, an area that we don't often talk about when we're talking about becoming parents or being parents. We we often focus on how to best raise a child, but we're not talking about the time for the couple. It, it's certainly a challenging time for a couple when they are feeling like inundated with things that they need to do with their children to make them better or to help them feel good or and there's always seemed to be something to do and, and you don't know if the kids are going to wake up and walk through your bedroom door um, or cry their eyes out and throw up on the sitter when you're about to walk out the door for date night. So what's your advice for carving out couple time, both fun date time and even intimate time when you have children? Yeah. Well, first, I'm just going to say that I'm not very good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to come clean mm-hmm. that I feel like this is an area that my husband and I are constantly like, okay, we need to do more of this. Okay, mm-hmm. yes, we're going to do more of that. And then six months later, we're like, remember when we said we were going to do more of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, let's really start doing more of that. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, I find it challenging. Right. Um, and I think we all do. Uh, I think that w- one thing to do is to try and get in touch with the things that connected you before you had kids, you know, um, for date nights or for hanging out together. Like if you really loved going to concerts, then, um, you know, making those part of your date night because it brings you back to this way of connecting um, prior to kids. Um, in the beginning, you know, just pull it, just, just whatever, pull, pulling stealing little moments here or there, you know, a babysitter watches, you know, a neighbor watches the baby while you guys go and walk and have an ice cream down the street, you know, it can be small. Um, I think uh, my husband and I try to sit down at the end of the day and look at each other and talk about something other than the logistics of the day or the logistics of the next day. Um, You're just asking them, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, How's this going for you? and um, and then I, I talk very honestly in the book about sex because mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like um, returning to sex after bringing a baby into your life can be really difficult. Um, and I talk about sort of just being honest and experimenting with like maybe I think sometimes what happens is everyone puts sex on the pet. Like that's the thing you have to be doing. And if you're not having sex, then you're not being connected, but that might not be realistic. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially if you've had a vaginal birth or a C-section or if you're breastfeeding and you just feel like this baby is on you all the time and you don't really want to get sweaty with another human being Um, starting to have intimate moments that are different, like Mm -hmm. just tickling each other or back rubs or Mm -hmm. cuddling or, you know, whatever feels good to you. 
I have this great interview with Dan Savage for the book and, and Dan Savage is like, I'm sorry, I feel sorry for straight couples because like sex is the goal. And if you don't get to the goal, you've like failed. Mm. And he's like, with gay couples, every conversation begins with what are you into? Yes. There's there's so many different ways to go about it. And so I think if you can like not have like penetrative sexual intercourse as your goal and just what, like, how can we make our bodies feel nicer together, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, and it might be totally different three months in. Now, when you have tweens, maybe you're, you know, planning your Friday night sex night and, and Dan Savage says that actually planning is a good idea. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a lot of people go back and forth on that, but he's like, it sort of takes the pressure off other moments. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, so some people like that idea, some people don't, but you know, just to kind of redefine just experiment with how it feels to connect with your partner in other ways, you know, maybe playing cards, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, and working up to, uh, date nights or, you know, longer times away from kids as they get older. Mm -hmm. Um, we started having grandparents take care of the kids pretty early on, um, and going away for a weekend Mm -hmm. and, you know, once a year, Mm -hmm. uh, for our anniversary. And that was pretty great. Mm -hmm. Um, so if that's, you know, at all feasible. Yeah. Um, and it's important to admit that, you know, that's important. Like, you know, again, that putting that priority forward and and saying that this is something that I want to work on and that deserves attention. And that even though we have children, the children don't get to govern every single moment of the day that we really do need to have some time for ourselves. And that is taking care of the children after all, because yeah. when we take care of ourselves, we're, we're taking care of them, we're taking care of our family. So making sure that, that you do realize that and that you prioritize it uh, with one another and that you explain it to your children. There have been times when I've said to my children that the time that that we have together as uh, when mommy and daddy are not just mommy and daddy are very important too because we want to show our love to each other and that we want to be able to talk to one another and that we are are more than just mom and dad we're also uh, Jason and Robin in our case and and we we need that for ourselves and, and explaining to our kids that when we do that, it makes us come back stronger and be a better mom and dad. And, and so they're aware of that. You know, we, again, bring them into that conversation so that they can be some more uh, supportive. Because otherwise, and, you... And also, yeah, you're also modeling healthy relationships. You yes. Know? You, you, you want your children to have healthy relationships when they get out into the world of dating and marriage if they do. And, um, so modeling, you know, what it means to prioritize time with that person and be kind to that person. And, um, yeah, we just had a whole family meeting about bedtimes because as my 12, now that my 12 year old's older, I mean, now that my 12 year old is 12, Mm -hmm. like, you know, bedtimes are going later. And Mm -hmm. it was just, we had lost our, you know, we used to have eight o'clock, we'd be on the couch till 10. And Mm -hmm. I'm an early to better. So like, that was our sacred time. And we and we had lost it. And Mm -hmm. and we were realizing that 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 was taking a toll on us. And so we were like, okay, total bedtime revamp. We have to be out of your out of your rooms at nine o'clock. So we have time together, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and sometimes my eight year old who 
would love me to fall asleep with her every night, um, will say, why do you have to go? And I say, because this is my time to spend with daddy and I want to spend time with daddy. Right. You know? Um, right. right. Yeah, I think that, and when they hear that, they understand it. Like, just like you want to have special time with me and we got this special time together, that daddy and I also need that special time together. And that's, and that's just as important. I know that sometimes, you know, the, the couple situation can get very heated. I mean, because, well, I mean, especially when you're spending a ton of time together in the home and you're not getting out as much and the kids are acting out or, you know, especially when the family contributions don't feel equitable. Uh, and you talk about that in your book, you feel like you're doing everything or your name is being called 50 times a day. I'd like to just talk about two parts of an issue here. First, how you can ensure that the tasks of parenting are more equitable. And then second, what to do when you're really angry about it, that too much is falling on your shoulders. So they kind of go hand in hand, but they're a little bit separate. Yeah. Um, well, again, if you're, if you're at the point of either pregnancy or the adoption process um, or surrogacy, um, you're in the planning phase of parenthood. Um, I think it would be ideal to have, and I did not do this, but when I researched my book, I talked to a lot of experts and I thought, wow, I should have done that. Um, where you really th- talk about, my husband and I talked about what our values were, mm-hmm. and that was a good conversation to have, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like, how are we going to break this parenting thing down like mm-hmm. let's let's split it down the middle and even even to the point of like assigning some things mm-hmm. like you're in charge of you know I love it there's this economist couple um oh gosh I can't remember their names right now but they had this thing where she was breastfeeding and so he did all the diapers and and because they're economists they were like she does inputs I do outputs Ugh. um but literally thinking about like your skill sets your interests like how can we just set it up from the get-go that certain things are one parent's domain mm-hmm. and certain things are the other parent's domain. Now, of course, that can switch and you can be involved. But I think that um, what happens a lot as parent, par- you know, in the model we have right now is that mothers become sort of the keeper of all the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it becomes constantly trying to get the partner um teaching them all the, okay, I'm going away. So you've got, this is the pediatrician and this is how you do that. Mm-hmm. And you have to, in order to share power, in order to get responsibilities off your plate, there's so much involved in that transfer that it's almost not worth it. Mm-hmm. So I think starting from the beginning with giving each partner sort of zones of responsibility. Um, and in my family, like uh, my husband is in charge of all school stuff. So school communications, teacher communications, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I think is really helpful and really like write it down even like, and then you'll, you'll switch it up as, as you get into parenting and you realize how things work. But I think trying to really look at the labor of parenting and divide it evenly so that you share knowledge about important zones like health and education um, Mm -hmm. and safety and um, is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Now, if you haven't done that, or you did and you're human and therefore it's falling apart at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that uh, new parenthood especially, but all parenthood can be very, you can be very sensitive. You know, you may have different approaches to things and it might really upset you when, um, you know, one parent's doing something differently than you would. Mm -hmm. Um, But to try as best you can to sort of um, 
use almost like nonviolent communication in order to get buy-in when you're having these kinds of tough conversations. Um, and I actually have up on my fridge the four principles of nonviolent communication. And they basically are saying, you know, instead of saying like, um, you know, it drives me nuts when we're late because you're taking forever, mm-hmm. right? It would be like, I have a need to be on time. So I'm feeling frustrated that you're not ready. Could you help me be on time? Then you like a request by doing this. Mm-hmm. So you're giving them a very specific thing to do. You're, you're saying what your feeling is and it's based on your need. Um, like, you know, I have a need for the diaper pail to be emptied at the end of the night. So we don't, it really bothers me when we smell it. You know, mm-hmm. could you help me by emptying the diaper pa- pail, you know, every night mm-hmm. or when you notice it's full? Right. Um, so it, it's about sort of taking it, it's about owning what your own needs are, but then also taking it away from the person, like you always do this or you, you, you hurt me when you do that and just saying, I feel hurt, you know, this is the outcome. Um, and it's less um, attacking because I think, um, you know, attacking never works because a lot of people get defensive, you know, um, like I'm always doing this. And then the other parent comes back with, oh, yeah, well, I'm always doing this, right. you know, instead of saying like, for whatever reason, I'm super wiped right now and doing I, I just can't do the 3 a.m. wake up with the baby. Could we switch for a few nights where you do the 3 a.m. wake up? I think that would help me feel more rested. So um, let's let's do a couple more of those because I think I think that is really helpful. And since people come here to really find out how to how to talk about a lot of this, this would be great. So what if uh, somebody a, a parent does something that really frustrates the other parent and you give me, I'm going to give you what what not to say about that in this situation and you give me how we can kind of shift it. So like uh, say this, not that. So you really pissed me off. Um, I'm feeling really angry because. Mm-hmm. You never clean the dishes in the sink. I feel like I keep being the one to clean the dishes and I'm not getting help. Mm-hmm. I'm always the one waking up with the kids on the weekends. So I'm getting really, I'm, I'm feeling really tired. And I think maybe the reason is that on the weekends, I tend to be doing most of the, um, most of the, you know, wake ups with the kids. Um, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's the pattern that's been happening. And um, what can we do to change that? You know, and again, that's sort of like the kid thing, the kid, you know, the, the having the meeting, having the person be part of the solution mm. rather than labeling the person, you know, you like there's sort of words that kind of are giveaways that you're going to put someone on the defensive. You never you always like blanket statements yes. and where you're where you're accusing the other person of you're, you're sort of attributing it to their character. And it's like it's um, like intentional, like they've done it intentionally and right. and they've they set a course in motion because that's the way they wanted it in the first place. Right. 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 Okay. Um and it, it just puts them on the defensive, makes yes. them less likely to engage. Um and then also it doesn't you know, it it it, it, it takes two to tango. Like maybe you've been doing the wake ups but you haven't said anything about it for three weeks. Mm-hmm. So now you're saying something about it, you know, right. and now this person can hear you because you're saying it in a way that is like focus on problem solving mm-hmm. and not on personalities or you know character flaws. 
All right, we'll do one more. My name is being called 50 times per day. I never get a moment off the clock. So, <sighs> I'm like, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hmm, how do I rebut that? I think that, you know, I feel like my name is being called 50 times a day and I'm just, I feel like I'm just not getting a break. Like, could you help me? Mm-hmm. You know, could you help me figure out, um, you know, what what we can do so that the kids go to you some when they have a problem too. Right, or, just, or a moment or so when I can, can when a, I'm off the clock I, and and maybe take a walk and you're in, you're here and the and obviously they would have no choice but to go to the other parent in that situation. So maybe it's yeah, like building I mean, in a break. Early parenthood there are, there is a lot of that, like where you just sort of have to remove yourself from the situation mm-hmm. and let the other parent be in charge. I think like, as you learn your parenting rhythm, you can kind of do that more fluidly with everybody staying in place, but you do kind of have to, you need to let the other parent parent and make mistakes and figure find their way and right. develop that relationship. Right. Because as yeah. usually, then you get like the kids are saying things like, but mommy makes the best pancakes. But ma- I like the way mommy cuts my sandwich or, you know, whatever you wind up getting. And the parent, the other parent is perfectly capable, but it becomes the pattern that you're the one who cuts the sandwich. So then every time at lunchtime, you have to be there, right? Like you're not getting the break only because the pattern has been set in place and you haven't voiced that it's frustrating to you that you're always on the clock. So you need to right. break and the pattern. And your child hasn't learned to roll with the fact that like, the other parent cuts the red peppers too thick. Yes. And like sometimes that happens in life. Yeah, it does sometimes happen too much. Yeah. And, and maybe they need to learn to say to the other parent, I, I like the way that uh, I like my peppers being cut thinner. <laughs> Would you mind doing that? I feel that the peppers right. are being cut too thick. I have a need. I have a need. <laughs> So I get frustrated when I get to school and the peppers are so thick. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Would you mind helping me by cutting thinner peppers? Can and we then eventually that together? translates into the kids cutting the peppers themselves. Yes. And then they get to do it exactly how they want it. That's exactly right. All right. Give me your top tip. What do you want people to come away with from this interview, from your book, so that they can apply it in their own lives? Ooh, this one. Um... I think my overarching message to parents is that your mental health is important and it's worth taking the time to figure out how to support it. Um, and that that is best for everybody Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you, you don't need to feel guilty. Um, taking time by yourself. You don't need to feel guilty getting psychotherapy, you don't need to feel guilty taking a medication. If you have a biochemical imbalance in your brain that makes you prone to anxiety like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that you really matter and it's worth, and sometimes what you need may be about advocating for more government support of parents, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe talking to your partner about changing up the roles and responsibilities, but it, it's worth it. Um, mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. worth it. And yes. the time you put in will 
you know, you won't be paid back in spades. Good point. Give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you and your book and the work you're doing? So the work I'm doing and uh, articles and such, you can find at katerope.com. And I have a lot of articles on there, um, both directed toward parents and moms specifically to take care of their mental health. But I also have parenting mm-hmm. stuff on there. I've got a, I had a piece recently in the Times about that it's not too late to teach your kids how to play independently, which um, I was so happy to learn. And now COVID is the perfect time to, to uh, do that. Um, and I had a post, re- uh, an article recently in the Washington Post about how to keep yourself from losing it with your kids during lockdown. Um, so you can find those resources at my website, katerope.com. And um, you can find my book, Strong as a Mother, uh, anywhere books are sold. Um, it's a great time to support your local independent bookseller and call them up and have them order it and be ready for curbside pickup. Um, but also it is available on large sellers like Barnes and Noble and Amazon. Um, and, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kate Rope mm-hmm. and uh, I tr- am trying to learn Instagram. So you can <laughs> send me messages and I'll reply to them in three months. Well, uh, we'll be so creating memes and I'm going to be putting it up on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And so maybe you'll be going back and forth with me on Instagram and you'll get yeah. really, really maybe good at it. Because my goal before my next book comes out, uh, is to learn Instagram. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds like a plan. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today, Kate, and talking to us about really taking care of our mental health and talking about the couple and being a a person, not just a parent. Uh, It's so important that we ask for help. We find our, our group, our crew, and that we give ourselves a break because there's a lot going on and, and we need it and we deserve it. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. You are welcome. Thank you so so much for having me. And what I like to say is uh, parenting is the hardest job you will ever love. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook, go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page, or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I'm also on Instagram, as I said, under Dr. Robin Silverman. I'll be going back and forth, Kate, on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram so that you know, we'll be developing some memes and you can t- take some of the great quotes that Kate said today and maybe send them to your friends, uh, put them up on your stuff because there are some things that we really need to remember about taking care of ourselves. And if you love this podcast, I'll hope you could go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can learn about the solutions and use them in their own homes. I truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. There's so many great podcasts up there and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this, you're here, you're getting the information you need. Perhaps you heard something today about equitable division of labor or how to talk when you're angry or whatever it might be. And you say, ah, I've been messing that up big time. That's okay. That's okay. We all make a lot of mistakes. You're getting the information and you can do it differently tomorrow. You can do it differently later today. You can do it differently in a minute. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. 
parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.